Hello and welcome to Strat News Global. I am Subrat Nanda and joining me is Professor Krishna Ajitarao of the Center for Atmospheric Sciences at IIT Delhi to talk about the IPCC report released on Monday. Professor Ajitarao, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. The report comes as a stark reminder of a man-made disaster. What are the main warnings? The main findings of this report are that climate change is here and now. Every part of the globe has been affected by the consequences of global warming. And we human beings are unequivocally responsible for the changes that we are seeing now. It shows that we have had rapid changes in our climate, whether it's in temperatures, temperature extremes, rainfall amounts, rainfall extremes, and many other changes to ice sheets and glaciers. And these are changes that are happening at a rapid pace and at a much more rapid pace than any time in recorded history. In fact, going back thousands of years with the help of proxy climate data, see that these kinds of changes are unprecedented in many thousands of years. And it's really a remarkable report in the sense that it conveys the full extent to which today's scientific knowledge is able to not just quantify the changes that have occurred, but also pinpoint the reasons why these changes have occurred. And the reason, the main culprit, is our increasing greenhouse gases being emitted into the atmosphere as a consequence of activities that we pursue on Earth. What are the implications for densely populated South Asia and India in particular? Is urbanization also to blame for climate change? Well, in a densely populated country such as ours, anything that happens ends up in impacting many, many more people than in sparsely populated regions uh, that most of the other parts of the globe are. Any heat wave or any flooding related other climate or weather extremes such as cyclones, etc., are bound to have larger impacts because we are much more densely populated. We are also a country where a large proportion of our population is vulnerable, both in terms of the location where they live and also in terms of their physical infrastructure they inhabit. If everybody had proper housing and built their homes in safer areas, areas that are not low-lying or very close to the coast, we would not be as vulnerable. But as you know, the dense population makes it imperative that many of our population are not able to live in relatively safer places. Urbanization by itself has consequences for the climate, but in the grand scheme of things, it is one of the many players that affect our climate. Clearly, the most important effect that we are having is through the emissions of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And it so happens that urban areas are among the largest emitters of greenhouse gases. Just by virtue of having to live in such close proximity 
the transportation systems, the economic systems, the lifestyles, the need to compensate for urban heat island effect, which uh, tends to keep urban areas warmer than rural areas. These are all reasons why emissions from urban areas are much larger than those from rural areas. So yes, in a sense, urbanization does have an effect, but the overall effect of greenhouse gases is much too large to blame just on urbanization. The Indian Ocean is hotting up at a faster pace. Where does that lead us? More cyclones, erratic rainfall, even drought? Absolutely. We are in the region which is warming up fastest. And when you have hotter ocean waters, you will produce more ideal conditions for tropical cyclones to form. And ones that do form have more fuel, in a sense, because of the energy in the ocean to become stronger and more devastating. So this devastation of a tropical cyclone is, on the one hand, from the strong winds that provide storm surges that push water onto land. They are, by virtue of being stronger cyclones with more moisture in them, they also tend to dump heavier rainfall onto the regions that they traverse. And another consequence of the warming ocean is that by virtue of warming the water, the water expands, which leads to higher sea levels. So the higher sea level is therefore making the inundation that the tropical cyclone produces much more damaging because the water level is already a little higher than it would have been if it hadn't warmed. So this, in a sense, is compounding the already difficult effects of impacts of a tropical cyclone by virtue of making the cyclone stronger, wetter, and sea level higher, which means more water gets pushed onto the low-lying areas when a cyclone does cross land. Warmer oceans also have an impact on our monsoons, because to a large extent, the monsoon is driven by temperature contrast between land and ocean. So when the ocean warms up, this ends up impacting how our monsoon can progress. And this has the additional effect of reducing rainfall in certain areas, slowing down the monsoon's progress, etc., that can lead to drought-like conditions. Is there a link between global warming and air pollution? Carbon dioxide has been a worry all along, but the report also mentions methane. Yes. So methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. Fortunately for us, its lifetime in the atmosphere is much shorter. It doesn't survive for the centuries that carbon dioxide can in the atmosphere. It gets taken out through various chemical processes, and therefore, we don't see its effects really long term. But in the short term, while it is in the atmosphere, it does have a much more pronounced effect of heating than carbon dioxide does. And because of these reasons, a methane is 
a very important greenhouse gas for us to keep in mind. However, carbon dioxide is still the one that survives for centuries and can lead to long-term climate change. Air pollution is a mixed bag of effects. By virtue of having haze in the sky, not intentionally, but inadvertently, been responsible for actually reflecting back some of the solar radiation. And therefore, aerosols have performed the function of cooling the Earth's temperature. If it weren't for air pollution, it's, a, it's estimated that the Earth's temperature would have crossed one and a half degrees more than before industrial industrialization. So in a sense, they have kept our temperature increase down. But of course, that doesn't mean aerosols or air pollution is a good thing. They are also responsible for reducing the monsoon rainfall. This changes the land to see temperature contrast which drives our mon and effect of aerosols has been implicated in reductions in the monsoon rain that would have realized if greenhouse gases were the only thing in the atmosphere. So aerosols have this kind of double-edged effect just on the climate. Now, if you consider their effects on human health, of course, aerosols are not at all a good thing to have. So on the whole, while the aerosols might have cooled Earth's temperatures a little bit, also very short-term effects, and they wash out of the atmosphere very quickly, as we have seen during extended lockdown periods that happened due to the COVID-19 situation. Fossil fuels have been blamed for a chunk of greenhouse gases, but transition to cleaner fuels raises the question of affordability. How do developing countries like India balance development goals and climate responsibilities? So the past has seen this feature that fossil fuel energy was cheaper than alternative sources of energy. This is no longer true. Renewable sources of energy, such as wind and solar, have in fact been much more competitive price-wise than fossil fuel energy. So in the last decade or so, this transition to renewable sources of energy being more competitive has In fact, it is a fantastic opportunity for us to take advantage of not only to reduce our fossil fuel emissions by uh, not bringing online new fossil fuel energy sources or phasing out the existing ones, but also to make money doing so. Because when it's competitive compared to fossil fuel energy sources. So in addition to this, there are, of course, considerations of do we have it? available at scale now when we need to develop. So that is an important consideration, but when the technology exists and exists at a much more price competitive uh, stage, it is not such a difficult question to transition into these alternative renewable sources of energy. We're not going to be sacrificing development by choosing these because they're in fact much better price-wise. Can we expect any drastic decisions at the climate summit in Glasgow later this year? 
Well, I wish I had a crystal ball which I could gaze into and give you a clear answer to that. This report is very timely in that it gives the current state of knowledge, what we know, what we see happening, and what we expect to happen in the future if drastic measures are not taken. So my personal hope is that leaders across the world will look look at this report and its messages carefully before they commit the world to further climate change. This is a very important point in time where the gains from the Paris Accord are there in terms of the commitments people have made, but the commitments have to be upped because the Paris Accord-driven, nationally defined contributions do not add up to temperature that will stay below 1.5 or even 2 degrees centigrade. The current commitments indicate it will go past 2.2 degrees centigrade which is not acceptable. So my sincere hope is that this report is a reminder to leaders globally that they have to up their efforts and they will carry the message from the report into these negotiations in Glasgow and do what is right for humanity and for the climate that we have. On that note, Professor Ajit Rao, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.